this time on Holy Ghost Notes. I have a podcast with the drummer for Taylor Swift. I'm excited. You're good at making coffee and you like drinking it. Uh, true friendship. True friendship. We just do reruns for a while. Ah, you missed it. Hello and welcome to the Holy Ghost Notes podcast. My name is Matt Greiner. I am here with my co-host, Tim Anderson. Yo, what's good? What's up, Tim? Not a lot, man. Not a lot. Well, a lot, mm-hmm. but but not a lot at the same time. Yeah, I hear same you. old, same old. You know, you're busy, but it's the same stuff you were busy with two weeks ago. Exactly. Exactly. Actually, I say that. Um, <laughs> we're two hours away from episode release, so mm-hmm. it's probably more like a month ago <laughs> because yeah. we are pushing it right now. Oh yes, this is. This is as last minute as it gets, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> I gotta say, but it's mostly my fault. It's okay. We're I gonna, take ownership. We're gonna make it work. We're gonna make it. I happen. take ownership. I feel like we need to air an apology live on this podcast. Tim, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, I forgive you. I, forgive I was you. hoping to only be 15 minutes late. I was 45, <laughs> but I was happy to know. You killed time during that 30-minute deficit by watching old drum videos of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a stretch. <laughs> but yes, I did. I did. <laughs> that was one of the videos <laughs> that I watched. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's good to go back and watch uh, where you were. Now, yeah, here's my question. Are you, are you better or worse at drumming? a good question or different is my guess different in some ways um you know it's weird man i've realized that even out of practice as i've gotten older just understanding drums listening to new music um Mm -hmm. Even playing on the steering wheel <laughs> has actually made me a better drummer, even though I play less really? than I did. I probably... On your actual kit. Yeah, I'm probably not as tight as I was in my prime. In fact, I, I definitely am not as tight as I was in my prime. Um, <laughs> but I think I understand more about drumming. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Have a broader... You know, I feel more comfortable with various different fills and grooves and have, you know, gotten better at certain techniques. So Okay. So question. It's a toss up, you know. You wake up tomorrow to an email from uh Adele. <laughs> okay. She's like, Hey, saw your drum videos from two thousand and eleven. And they're and they're really good. And even though you were playing August Burns Red's Internal Canon, <laughs> I feel like you would be good at playing Hello <laughs> and rolling in the, <laughs> in the deep. So I will pay you $100 per week to tour with me. You're going to have to tour six months out of the year. And just imagine what this will do for your profile. Ah, oh, man. 
what is your email response going to be? Um, <laughs> are you willing to negotiate the rate? <laughs> I have kids at home. <laughs> I consume yeah. about a hundred dollars a week in food <laughs> myself. Uh, no, like I probably you know, a day. It would be a tough conversation because you're exactly right. Or Adele's exactly right. It would do. Uh, <laughs> it would Adele's do a lot exactly. for my career. That's for sure. Um, yeah, that would be a tough call, man. I don't know if I could justify leaving my family at this right. at this stage with my kids at this age uh, for six months. Really, no matter how much I was making, right, uh, or how much exposure I would get. Um, I probably would turn it down um, mm -hmm. if there was a significant payout. Um, I might consider with, mm -hmm. you know, after talking to my wife about it and ensuring that there was going to be breaks during those six months of touring <laughs> where I'd be able to spend some time with my kids and my family. Uh, but yeah, that's a tough question, man, because that would basically be the dream, you know, getting one of those calls or those emails. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't have a career after that. So it'd be putting it out. I'd really be putting it out on, on the line, you know, like, uh, I'd, I wouldn't have a job to come back to after six months of pursuing something like that. So, you know, right. it right. would be, uh, it would be something. <laughs> Definitely have to feel like it was the right move, but at this point yeah, in life, curious. I'd probably turn it down. To be honest, yeah, it, it's a question we throw around in the band sometimes, or I'll I'll talk to Annie about like how much is it worth to do yeah. something that requires you to sacrifice um, family or anything that's higher on the priority list than your your occupation mm -hmm. or your hobbies. Actually, that leads. That leads pretty well into what we're going to talk about today. So we're going to get into our topics here a little sooner than usual because I have a feeling that they're going to be there's going to be more to discuss. Mm -hmm. um, and even if there's not, and you're like, I have nothing to say, um, we have to go live with this episode sooner than later. So yeah. before um, we our, get into our, our, our topic, topic, before we get into our topic, well, go ahead, say what you're. Yeah, gonna I was say. just going to announce what it is. So yeah. our, our our faith topic is calling. Mm -hmm. um, what is your calling? And we're going to go over talent, opportunity, and passion. The reason we're going over this is I was at a men's retreat this last weekend, and the guest speaker, Garrett Lowe, talked about this, and it really um, really was, was a great conversation for me because here's the thing. At a men's retreat, you have a 20-year-old and you have a 70-year-old. Mm -hmm. How are you going to teach calling? How are you going to talk about this in calling when you have – someone who's about to enter the workforce or just recently did and someone who's figuring out what to do as a retired, you know, 70-year-old, uh, re reassessing what their identity is, mm. you know, what their calling is, really. And then our, our drum topic is you are the instrument, not your gear. You are the primary, large percentile, most important factor... MVP of your drum set. 
without you, there is no drumming. Mm-hmm. There's just an expensive drum set. Yeah. Or cheap drum set, depending on what you've got in front of you. But Well, uh, that's true. I have a very expensive one, so I was just <laughs> yeah. looking yeah. around. Yeah. I think you have a pretty expensive one, Mine too. Mine is fairly expensive, yeah. 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 So... Yeah. There it is. I'm excited. What's up? What were you I'm excited. Say? So, um I I have been thinking about this all day. Uh for for oh a couple days, but I've been thinking about this all day. And then um during our pre-roll discussion with the inner circle, uh it made me think about this even more. Um and you know, so you mentioned that I was watching old drum videos, which is is true. Uh I I have an app called Time Hop, which I've probably mentioned before. Um, and yeah. I like Time Hop yep. because it basically shows yeah. me what was happening on this day um, last year, the year before that, the right. year before that, you know, up to as long as I've got some kind of content on some kind of platform. So usually it's like eight or nine years that you end up going back. <laughs> and it's really cool <sighs> just seeing um, the change. Um, more recently, it's, you know, my children <laughs> seeing pictures yeah. of my kids that I took this day last year and the year before that and just seeing the, the change. But one thing I've been thinking about a lot is how much can change in such a short amount of time. Like I was thinking like three years ago for me, my life is completely different. Like like I, so when I started thinking about this, this I was walking out of my new house to my Jeep <laughs> and thinking, I did not have this house three years ago. I did not have this Jeep three years ago. Mm. I didn't have my, <laughs> I didn't have my, uh, two, almost three-year-old son three years ago. My wife wasn't pregnant with our third child three years ago. It's like, it just like this flood of like, wow, my life yeah. is actually totally different. There are some yeah. constants, you know, there's some, there's, yeah. there, there are some things that are consistent, but like, I'm in a different headspace. I've, mm-hmm. I approach life very differently. Um, even like, uh, I mean, I do have some close friends that have remained the same. Um, but I have other friendships that have entered the picture that I didn't have. So it's like, when you look at my life from now to three years later, even it's like completely different. And that was yep. cool to think about because, and this goes for anybody, whatever situation you're in, whether it's, um, hopefully it's good that you're in right now, but if it's a bad situation in particular, it could be completely different in a matter of a year or two or three, Absolutely. like completely yep. different. Um, I wouldn't recognize my life right now sitting here three years ago. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, so it's, it was just a wild thought. And time hop only <laughs> reminds me of that more and more. How much can For change? The that. Yeah. How much can change in, in a short amount of time? Or- yeah. I think I, what I hear you saying is that your decisions matter because you just talked about buying a house, a Jeep, kids. You I have been making decisions. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's news. I, I do me. pay for them, though. Uh, Quite a bit. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, your decisions matter, right? So it's like if right. you're gonna go and make a bad decision, you have to understand that later on down the road, you're gonna be paying for it in some way or another. Yeah. 
whether it's you decided to buy something that wasn't a good investment, it might not show up tomorrow that, oh man, that was a really bad investment. It might be five years down the road, you realize you could have put that money in a CD or in the money market or um, bought bought a you know bought something of value that will only accrue value or 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 increase in value mm -hmm. and I say man I should have done this and that's what regrets um, consist of you know yeah. that's that's when you look back you think to yourself man I should have done this so I look around and I think man the best way for me to learn how to make good decisions is to see what other decisions what what other people are are doing, what decisions they're making, and how it's affecting their life downstream. Mm -hmm. What better way to see how to live your life than to look at someone else and say, well, okay, how are they doing things, and how is it panning out for them in the end? Mm -hmm. And this is why friends are so important. It's like, Tim, you're not going to be, you're not going to be real close friends with someone who isn't like-minded in the most important priorities of your life, family, mm -hmm. faith, um, focus on your career. And because of that, you, you have this drive that's reinforced by someone else. So whenever you feel discouraged or shorthanded or tired, you hear them or talk to them or see them pushing on, persevering, prioritizing the right things, and you're like, dang, yeah, I can do like I. I should keep doing this. This mm -hmm. is a good thing. I I I got this book recently called um, uh, "Keep Your Kids Close" or "Hug Your Kids" or something like that. And it's about how, as a parent, you need to be your your kid's closest friend when they're in their most influential phases in life, mm -hmm. not their peers, because what it's really saying is your friends really affect you they will they will affect your future and if you look back on your life i look back on mine it's like man i have i had a lot of good friends there were a couple guys here and there that were you know uh going through going through some stuff and i got i got tangled up and pretty quickly like you find yourself off course mm -hmm. um by the grace of god my mom's prayers um by the grace of God, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm in the place I am today. It's the only reason I'm not, I don't have much to stand on based on my own work. Like I've, I've worked hard, but I, 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 I don't, I, I can't take credit for where I am, mm. you know? And so when I hear you talk about what you have today or where you're at today, good or bad, if you're listening to this, yeah, I mean, the weather can change as quickly as it does in Alaska. Your life can change as quickly as it does for anybody else around yep. you. Uh, but it, it really comes down to the decisions you're making. What, That's what, true. what kind of decisions are you making today? You know, who are you surrounding yourself with? Those are really, really important things to, mm -hmm. to think about. And, and we live in a world that's full of distractions. Yeah. That will do anything possible to get you to avoid the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, I mean, it's it's less so about the material things, of course, that <laughs> you accumulate, <laughs> you know. But yeah. the point being that like a lot can change in a short yeah. amount of time, uh, and it does come down to your decisions. But it's also like, you know, there are seasons 
for everything. And I often mm-hmm. forget that when I'm in the thick of it and, and times are tough. Today was a tough day for me. It's a really yeah. tough day. I hit a point where I was like, I had to just stop and yeah. <laughs> like pray, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. um, and it was just blaringly apparent. It's like, there are seasons that are hard, but yeah. one thing you can take hold of is that it is a season. Yes, and that season is going to change. And, uh, you know, and in my case, three, a matter of three years, my life looks very different than it did in a number of mm-hmm. ways. And so, yeah. you know, just yeah, uh, turn that, hold on to that. Turn that frown upside down. That's right. That's all you got to do. Exactly. That's right. We're going to talk about seasons more in our faith topic. Yeah. That's actually on the nose that you brought that up because Perfect. that was, that's like one of the main aspects of this. So, so let's get into our drum topic right away so we can get, um, get through our two topics. Uh, mm-hmm. first of all, thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, we really appreciate the support Yeah, and we're excited you're here. Yeah. Yep. So the drum topic is you're the instrument, not your gear. Yeah. Is that true? Yes. 100% is true. Oh yeah. You I was just drumming on my laps. Portnoy. I literally don't have any other instrument. I am the <laughs> instrument. <laughs> I just like that you pluralize lap. Well, I have I have two laps. You do not. You have one. <laughs> you have one. Don't double down on that. Uh, don't you do that. <laughs> I'm holding strong on that one. <laughs> I love that. Laps. I've never in my life. I'm 38. I've never heard someone say laps other than Plural. having like to do running with laps. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Laps. <laughs> <laughs> or there's I love that you called me saying, out like right away. Guys, true oh. friendship is when. <laughs> Come on. When, I will. when <laughs> you're having a conversation and. And someone doesn't let it go. <laughs> they they, they I mean, make you just sure laps they, <laughs> on public television. Of course, I'm calling you out. There's no seven second delay here. Yeah, it's true like, friendship. Get, true friendship. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Moving anyway. on. Anyway. Um. So you were just drumming in your laps, and that's proof that. <laughs> That you are the most important instrument. That's pretty funny. I think we've all seen someone who is a very proficient drummer play a uh, a drum set that's not not very expensive and make it sound ridiculous. Yeah. Like there's a video of Mike Portnoy playing a kid's kit and it sounds so good. Mm-hmm. And then we've probably also seen someone sit down and play a really expensive kit and it sounds like... Drums falling down the stairs. That's okay. I worked at Guitar no Center. No problem. No problem. <laughs> I saw that all the time. Yes. <laughs> do, do, da, da, do, da, do, do, da, da, do. Dude, I felt like that in the studio today. I was recording, and oh, my gosh. My first take in two of the three songs was rough. Oh, really? Yeah. Really rough. That like, always sets the tone, <laughs> right? Yeah. Was, Everyone's like, oh, boy. Thank God for Pro Tools. I, <laughs> yeah. get, I get as many takes as I want, but, but we typically play list five. But, I mean, there's a good example. I, I have this decent drum set in the studio and the best mics in the best room. You know, we're paying a 1000 bucks a day, and it's like, who cares if, if you can't deliver on drums when it's time to show up and actually do the work? Yep. And 
I don't know. For me, this is an encouraging thing. I hope that it comes across that way for people listening, but you are the most important aspect of your drum set. Yep. Because without you, it's just a drum set. There's no drumming. There's no music. And the reason that's encouraging to me is when I first started playing drums, dude, if I had to play Purple Door, which is a Christian festival in Pennsylvania, was a Christian yeah. festival, and they said, hey, man, you got to use the backline kit. Sorry, five-minute changeover. You can't use your own. My heart raced from 60 BPM, you know, resting heart rate, to 195, mm -hmm. thinking about having to play a kit that wasn't mine, and in five minutes set it up probably more like four minutes because you got one minute to line check everything. Set it up so that I can play speech impediment and endorphins <laughs> and seven trumpet right. and your little suburbia. Yeah. There's just no way. I need my, like, it's a game of inches. I need to have things where I want them. Yep. The height of the toms, the angle of the toms, splash to the left, bell right below it, crashes up high. Like, it's Tetris. Mm -hmm. But what I wish someone would have told me is, it's okay. You can do it. You are the most important part of your drumming, not the kit. Not not the DW9000 stands that aren't going to move. Not the um, you know DW diecast hoops that feel feel good to play, like you get the perfect rim shot off of them. It's going to feel different, but you can do it because you are the most important element of that kit. Symbols yeah. might slide away a bit. There might be some frustrations, but if you put in the work and build yourself up to show up and play, then whatever you have in front of you, the bar is only going to be so low. Yep. You're going to be able to do a decent job with what you have. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Is that a true story? That you had to p play the backline kit of Purple Door? Um, it was it was going to be. Wow. I was told I have to play a backline kit, and I talked to Josh, our tour manager, and I said, Josh, this is like 2007, 8, something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, what is that? Uh, Thrill Seeker Messenger. It was like Messenger's era. Yeah. Um, and we, we had some hype behind the band and we knew we were going to have a pretty big show out there. I mean, it's an hour away from home, mm -hmm. ski round top. Yeah. Christian festival. Um, with that. <laughs> big Christian festival yeah. recently signed a solid state, recently put out an album. We've been touring around the country, coming home, playing this fast. Like, yeah, I want to play my kit. Like mm -hmm. I have a very specific sound and style Yeah, and Josh, um, Josh went to bat for me and actually got got me my own kit. But here's the thing: the festival was just thinking in big in a big picture, which I completely understand. Yeah, which is right, dude. We we only have a five minute or ten minute or fifteen minute changeover. Oh, yeah. yeah, we don't have time. But what they didn't factor in is it's going to take longer for me to adjust the kit that's already up there so that I can play it mm -hmm. than to just take it off, load mine on, right. and go. And you mine's have a crew already that will go. literally just like swap it out. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that was always the misconception. Like, I can do this faster than having to wrench down on all these cymbal stands and mm -hmm. move them and slide them and lift them and lower them. And, right. And then I have to tune the kit. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, mine's already ready to go. I have it set up on the carpet backstage. I'm literally playing it right yeah. now. Right. Yep. That's, yeah. That would be tough. I mean, I completely agree with you 100 percent you are 
the most important part of the instrument. Um, but yeah, that was that there's was scary bot, too. There's I, a bot well, here. I used to I used to play backline kits a lot, um, which is actually See, that's a big I, difference between you and me. You're you're more versatile in this area. Well, yes and no. <laughs> I I used to play backline kits so much that I ended up adjusting my kit that I practiced on to match what was most likely going to be available <laughs> at a Four venue. Four piece. Exactly. One up, I, one down. I used to have three toms. Now I do, you know, one uh, one rack tom, one floor. And I mm -hmm. still play that way to this day because that's what I, I you know, I, I adjusted because I knew I was going to be playing a backline anyway. So That's smart. Um, but I, I understand how much that can affect. Like, I, I don't want to go as far to say that you are going to play well <laughs> if you're forced to play on a kit that you are not used to. That might yeah. not be the case, even if you're a great drummer. Unless right. you have the time to really mess with it and, you know. But, like, in this case, a five-minute changeover and you're expected to play a backline kit that's set up completely different than what you're used to and play mm -hmm. the songs and expect to play them well, mm -hmm. eh, even the best drummers are going to struggle with that. Mm -hmm. But you are exactly right. If if it's like you are going to sound different on that kit, like so, let's just take let's say there's a universal kit. This is the drum kit that's here. Everyone's got to play it. Everyone's going to sound different on it. Mm -hmm. Which I think is the testament, and it's where you're going with this: is that it matters very little what is in front of you. The kit itself matters very little in the grand scheme of things because what you yeah. bring to the kit is ultimately what's important. That's what's going to sound Here's a good example. Different. I'm in the studio right now. I'm using the Mapex M-Series kit. Mm -hmm. Big toms, dude. Are 10, you using 12, the Mapex 14. in the studio? Yes. Uh, that's killer, man. That was one of my first drum kits. Really? Pro M. Pro M series. Oh, Pro M. This is a level below that. <laughs> this is M. Okay. <laughs> the toms are 10, 12, and 14 inch floor. It's a fusion yeah. setup. Okay. Man, I still remember the way it looked when I first bought it. I still remember the way the shells smelled when I changed the heads. Like, there's so many memories attached mm. to, to this stuff. But the, the toms are deep. Hmm. It's like. Yeah. It's it might be like 10 10 11 12 and like 14 14 and it's a 22 inch kick which I'm used to playing 20 20 okay. so your toms are up high and I'm yep. not banking them like Laura Zorick I'm keeping them kind of flat yeah so I'm up here mm -hmm. when I'm playing these parts and I'm able to do it I mean pretty much the same as my regular DW kit where the toms mm. are a lot lower yeah. Which, you know, my DW toms aren't as deep, so I can get them lower. And my kick drum is only a twenty inch, so my twelve inch isn't going to hit it as much. Yeah, I can lower everything, but I'm but I'm I'm still able to pull off what I can on my DW kit, and I still struggle with the parts I do with my DW kit. Hmm. Because why? Because it's me. It's not the kit. Yeah. It's not. It's not the fact that the kick drum's two inches bigger. It's not the fact that the head's tuned, you know, uh, less tight. Like, it, it's 
That's yeah. the thing. We we mess with all these adjustments over and over and over again, thinking, oh, if I can just get the adjustment right, you will likely change your end result a very small percentile compared to if you put in the time practicing, you will see a huge difference. That's in right. Playing. That is just look at someone mm-hmm. who's practiced a ton for a year. Yep. Look at how they can sit down at any kit, and you know it if you see them play. You you can envision them playing on any kit and be like, I know that guy is going to be sick. Yeah, yeah. But like, how often have you seen a drummer play, and you're thinking, man, he's he's that good only because he's playing that kit? No, never. No. You've never said that. No, no. Like, oh, that kit sounds really good. Yeah, maybe that's that's a thought. But like, you know, you could see a guy playing on a pillow. Be like, wow, <laughs> that guy's fast hands. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, yeah. If you're looking at, um, a deal, a deal with, uh, percentages and, uh, graphs <laughs> and <laughs> analytics a lot. And, uh, if we're going to break this down on, you know, how much this, this price point kit with these specific <laughs> elements to it right. are going to make a difference in your playing or or how you sound on that kit. Yeah, that <laughs> those graphs are very low. Uh, the graph of of practice skill, you know, you being you and and playing what you want to play and having fun doing it. That that's where that graph shoots up high. That's, that's skyrockets. You know, yeah. yeah, like that's that's look at your setup. So let's say. Um, Reliant K asks you to play <laughs> to play two left. Big difference. Right, Hopefully do. they're paying more than Adele. <laughs> <laughs> they're paying you two hundred bucks a week. Oh jeez, Tyson's generous. <laughs> um, and, and they're like, but here's the kit: you have to use mats. Mm-hmm. Two up, one down. Flat toms, flat cymbals. Yeah, you're tough as your 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 kit's tough for me. Um. You have to use that setup to play two lefts, don't make a right, three do, whole way through. You don't get to rehearse on the kit. You get to rehearse as much as you want on yours, but then you're going to come in, you're going to play on Matt's kit. On the other hand, let's say um, you rehearse on your kit and you get to play on your kit. Same amount of rehearsal, different kits. I think the difference is going to be nominal. I, I think if you get to that first show and you play, okay, you're, you're not right. going to be yeah. super stoked on your performance. But now let's, let's contrast that with um, you get to play your kit exactly what you want, the best gear in the world, and um, it's going to be there when you're ready, but you only get to practice the entire set for a week, whereas on the other hand, you had three months. Oh, yeah. No, no chance. No chance. No chance. Yeah, I'd be... Uh... I'd be very comfortable on your kit if if I practiced on it for three months straight. The first well, the first didn't. few times I'd probably be dropping sticks every time I try to roll, roll around the, the roll toms. around like this. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, three months, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no question. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of interesting because you don't really hear this from people. At least I didn't, because companies don't want you to think about it this way. They it's true. want you to think, oh, you know, you need this. Lars Ulrich plays Tama, so if I'm going to sound like he did on, um, you know, Ride the Lightning, I got to get a Tama. Like, I got to get that snare. And it's like, all right, that's good marketing. 
That's a good yeah. endorsement. It is. Because, yeah, he played that snare, but he also played it a certain way that only he can play it. And it was in a certain room with certain mics, with a certain engineer, mm-hmm. on on tape. You know, there's just so many aspects to it that are out of your control. Yeah. So what's in your control? You. That's the bottom line here. You. Mm-hmm. Your practice is in your control. Practice. That's right. That's my thesis here. Put in the time. That is a... Put in as much or more time as you do thinking about gear or mm-hmm. what's in front of you or working your job to pay for the gear. Yeah, you got to work. You got to you gotta make money. But yeah. focus on what you bring to the kit as much as you do about... Um, as much as you focus on the kit. I the agree. Itself. We spent a good chunk of one of the years of this podcast getting real nerdy about drums as we do. Oh. And yeah. and you know, went into being comfortable on the kit and you know, uh focusing on ergonomics and all these things. But at the end of the day, <laughs> sure, if you really want to nerd out, <laughs> you know, it's it's fun. <laughs> it's it, it's fun. But don't let it get to your head because this is the this is the truth right here. It does not matter. <laughs> the time that you spend putting in the work, cutting your teeth, that is what matters. That is what matters mm-hmm. more than any of the other stuff. So I 100% agree. When you say spend less time thinking about your gear, spend less time trying to make it look cool and sound cool and feel cool, it's important. It's it's great to do that. It's not a bad mm-hmm. thing to do. No, of course but not. But spend less time doing that and more time practicing, playing, mm-hmm. crafting your skill. That's yeah. That's it. So let's give you a blueprint. Um, my goal for 2024 is to practice seven hours a week. Yep. I started off saying double bass, but uh, I'm just doing broad strokes seven hours a week. I've been playing a lot, a lot more than that recently, but that's because I had a pressure point. I had this project to work on, and I've been doing probably an hour and a half a day leading up to this week, and this week it's probably been four hours a day. Maybe maybe a little bit. Yeah, probably four hours a day. Okay. So look at your week and say, what do I want to do? You know, do I want to do three hours a week? All right. Once you have your goal, build your routine. Goals start with routine. You're never going to hit your goals if you if you can't build structure and a schedule and a routine into your day. Otherwise, there's a gazillion distractions. Mm-hmm. And you're probably not going to prioritize this one thing above other things that have to happen. Yeah. So wake up earlier, you know, and uh, get the job done. That's right. Get her done. Get her done. Get her done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to faith topic. Yeah. Uh, uh, our faith topic is calling. Mm-hmm. Why don't you kick this one yes, off? You have you have some. Uh, you you know where you want to go with this, so I want you I to. Do. I want you to uh, set the stage, and then I'll chime in. That reminds me of a really good band we used to tour with. Set the stage. The ambush begins. Dun, 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 dun. What was the name of that band? Oh, 
I know who you're talking uh, about. Warrior. 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 Uh, Warrior. Warriors. You should play that song in this episode. I think it was a band called The Warriors or Warrior. Huh. I think the song's called Set the Stage. It's so good. Set the stage. The ambush by guys. Okay. Oh, yeah, The Warriors. Good call. I'll have to. Is that it? Yeah. I don't know if I've heard that one. Good band. I haven't talked about them in 10 years. <laughs> We're old. Um, all right. So our, our faith topic today is calling. And all credit goes to Garrett Lowe. Thank you, Garrett, for speaking at our church's men's retreat, men's retreat this weekend. This is very good. Um, what, what Garrett talked about was calling. And I was just sitting in my seat at our table thinking, how hard would it be to preach, to teach, to talk about calling to a group of guys that range in age from 20 to 70. Yeah. So at my table, uh, we had a 30-year-old, me, I'm upper 30s, a uh, guy in his 40s, guy in his, two guys in his 40s, guy in his 50s, 60s, and I would guess 70 or so. At another table, there was... You know, twenty year old, a couple twenty year olds, and Garrett talked about calling in a way where everyone was listening, mm-hmm. like fully attentive. Man, this applies to me. Wow, this really, this really hits home. So the reason this is so applicable was because he talked about seasons, and if you're listening to this, like Tim had talked about in pre-roll I believe or in the beginning of this episode yeah um if life's really good right now be prepared for the fact that it might not always be good life's tough real tough and you're in a good season um help help people out around you who are not in a good season who are in a tough spot and if you're in a tough spot right now be hopeful there is, um, it, it's more than likely that change is coming, you know, down the road, and life is full of seasons. Life is good. Be cautious. Be prepared. Be realistic. If uh, life is tough, be hopeful. Mm-hmm. And so, what Garrett talked about was, you know, in in each season of your life, talent, opportunity, and passion are at different levels. T-O-P, top. Okay, so let's go over this. So talent. So in my life, drumming, right? We went around the table. What do you feel like you're talented at? You know, what are you known for? If you're listening to this, what are you known for? What are you really good at? What, what, do, you, what do you do that other people say, man, you make that look easier. Man, I wish I could do that. Or you look around at other people and, and you say, man, I can't believe other people can't do this as easily as me. That's that's a talent. Mm-hmm. You're talking to the talent in your life. Opportunity. Opportunity is um what what do you what open doors do you have in your life? Uh what is available to you? Maybe it's resources. Uh, maybe it's time. Maybe it's convenience, maybe it's permissions. Whatever it might be, what opportunities do you have? And then the last is passion. So talent, 
opportunity, and passion. Talent, what are you good at? What are you known for? Opportunity, what resources do you have? What permissions do you have to do something? Mm-hmm. What, what, what phase of life are you in? What season of life are you in? And passion is actually, if you can picture a linear, if you can picture a line, you know, what do you think of when you think of passion? I raised my hand. I said commitment. Well, other people in the room were saying excitement, you know, drive, joy. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I thought of passion, I thought of driving to the barn when it's 15, <laughs> 17 degrees outside. Yeah. Unlocking the shop door, climbing the stairs, unlocking the next door, going in, coat on, literally having my my long underwear on with my pants, and sitting down and picking up cold drumsticks and playing drums. Yeah. What does that sound like? Pain, sacrifice, commitment. Mm-hmm. And so Garrett laid out this line that went from excitement all the way through commitment, all the way through pain. Side note, what I think is really fascinating about this is if you think about Mel Gibson's passion of the Christ, mm-hmm. he knew what he was doing naming it passion of the Christ because it had very little to do with excitement yeah, or, you know, um, joy. It had a whole lot to do with pain and sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that really hit me when when he spelled it out like this. When he really made me think, when Garrett really made me think about this, I was like, wow. Mel Gibson intentionally chose that word because yeah. if you trace its roots, it doesn't mean what you think it does based on what our culture, you know, defines it yes. as. <clears throat> so, okay. I was going to say talent, love, opportunity, honestly. and passion. Love. I right. I lump those two together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because you you have to love something <laughs> to to bleed for it or yeah. to uh to be excited excited about it or to mm, that's true <laughs> to be committed to it <laughs> i'm pretty you know? sure that's on that line love yeah <clears throat> passion and love kind of go hand in hand i think mm-hmm. yeah you're passionate about yeah. somebody you know you love them yeah so <clears throat> i'm gonna spell this out in um, in terms of what it means to me. And then I want you to be thinking about this as I'm talking about this. So there, we went around the table and we said, all right, what, what, what season of life are you in right now as it applies to talent, opportunity, and passion? So listen to this. This is amazing. This is, you'll never be able to unhear this now that I'm putting this out there, at least if it's anything like my experience with it. <clears throat> so my mentor in Men of Iron encouraged Annie and I to talk about what he calls a dream conversation. And a dream conversation is when you, let's say you and Julianne sit down and you say, hey, babe, let's talk about the future. Like just, just, it's all on the table. What do you want to do? What do we want to be? What do we want to accomplish? What are we working for? What's this whole thing about? Just Mm -hmm. pop your head above the weeds and just look out and say, what are we doing? You know, where are we headed? Dream season a dream season, dream conversation means very low talent, very low opportunity, very high passion. Talent's low, right? You're not good at the thing you're talking about. Opportunity's low. You don't actually have the opportunity to yeah. do it, but the passion's really high. Yeah. That's the dreamer season. 
Okay. Now, that's where Annie and I are at. And I explained this to the table. We we have these conversations, I'd say once a month on average, like 2030, we want to build a house, maybe have a wedding venue, maybe have livestock on the farm. Like, do we have the opportunity financially? Do we have the resources? Do we have the ability to run away? No, 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 no. But, but we're, we're just throwing around the idea. We're excited about it. Yeah. Okay. So talent and opportunity are very small circles. Passion's huge. All right. Let's look at, um, let's look at my job. Let's, let's look at ABR. I play drums in a, you know, a metal band. I started 21 years ago. Talent, high. Opportunity, high. Passion, high. Yeah. And that's what we call top. That's that's your prime. That's the sweet spot. Thank God. I'm really fortunate. And I really feel like I am in my prime with my job. But that could change in an instant. It's a season, mm. right? Sure. Let's look at someone. Let's look at someone else. Let's look at someone who works a factory job. They've been doing it for 30 years. They're 52 years old, started right out of college, and stuck with it. Talent, high. Opportunity, high. Passion, nope. Hmm. There's nothing there. They're really good at it. They have the opportunity, but the passion's non-existent. So what, what does this have to do with calling? What is your calling? Well... I believe that God created us with certain talents, certain abilities. I believe God gave us opportunities to carry out these, these talents and these abilities. And I believe God gave us passion to do these things. There might be someone working a factory job who has talent at a really high level, opportunity at a very high level, and passion is non-existent. That's yeah. okay. They're making money so that this other thing can exist that has super high passion but maybe very low opportunity and maybe even very low talent. Yeah. Right? So mm -hmm. you see how they all kind of work together yeah. Yeah. In, this, in this really cool synergy of just like, I'm really good at this thing or this thing's really high, but this other thing's low. And, and you can identify in your life what season you're in based on talent high, opportunity low, passion high. Talent low, opportunity high, passion high. Talent low, opportunity low, passion high. You know, and you run all yeah. seven different scenarios, right? And you can probably identify with them on a relational level, on a spiritual level, on a work level, on a family level. Hmm. Yeah. And from there, you can identify what is my calling. I'm 70 years old. I retired. I don't know what I'm doing. What season of life am I in? Well, I used to be an accountant. I'm not working anymore. I, I, I've, I've, I, I have a lot of talent in this area. I have very low opportunity. It's non-existent. I don't have a job. And actually, I'm not even passionate about it anymore. Accounting. So what, what am I passionate about? Okay, I'm passionate about woodworking. Do I have any opportunity to do woodworking? Not really. Am I talented at it? Actually, yeah, I've been working at it for like 10 years. So then you look for that opportunity. How, mm -hmm. how can I find opportunity for this thing that I'm passionate about and I'm talented in? Yeah. Right? And you can kind of reverse engineer this idea of calling. I love that.
That is really cool. Yeah, I, I um, so I'm, I'm hearing this as many of you listening are for the first time. Um, and I haven't even had a, a second to really fully process this. To think uh, about it, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's very different. But than, I'm excited to see what you have to say about your about your job, about yeah. your you know your family. Yeah, Sorry to cut it, you off. No, it's okay. It's uh, you know it's it's interesting um, because it, you've kind of in a way laid out how I think about things, <laughs> how mm-hmm. I how I gauge <laughs> value and and worth and you know even this is very similar to how I would go about prioritizing not just Mm -hmm. finding a calling but just prioritizing life like right you know there's lots of things that I'm really passionate about but is it practical you know Mm. (laughs) may have a ton of talent in it may have may have a lot of passion but uh, the opportunity is very, very low, and for that reason, right. <laughs> it, it, it gets pushed to the bottom of the list. Uh, you know, uh, you're good at making coffee, and yeah. you like drinking it. <laughs> yeah, is it gonna pay my bills? No, in right. fact, <laughs> quite the opposite. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, that's interesting how you broke that down. So, like, you know, I when you threw out the idea of calling, um, you know, I. I kind of went immediately to the Bible and started mm-hmm. just kind of reading through verses about calling. And it was the thing that was interesting to me was how often uh, calling and purpose were aligned, <laughs> like in the same sentence mm-hmm. in many cases. Like it was always your, your calling and purpose, um, mm-hmm. which signifies that they're two different things as well, which I thought was interesting. So they're, they're related, hmm. but they're two different things. And, um, I, I don't want to detract too much from what you said here, because this is really a fantastic way. I'm going to be thinking about this for the, for the rest of the week. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's really a great way to, like you said, reverse engineer your calling or, you know, it's a great way to, it's a great barometer, uh, to identify yeah. what season you're in and, Right. what you should be focused on. It's fantastic. Um, but I know like f- for me, when I've, uh, when I've dived into this idea and thought hard about it, you know, I, I've realized that I was stuck on certain things. I've said this in the past, but, um, the idea of calling and purpose and the difference between the two was something that really struck me hard, especially when I got married Mm-hmm. And I kind of put to rest um, the idea of pursuing music. Well, actually, it wasn't so much when I got married, but mo- mostly when, you know, we found out we were pregnant with our first kid. And I just kind of put to rest the idea of being a successful musician, being a career musician. Um, yes. And for me, at that time, it was real. It was it was easy and it was difficult. Um, yeah. It was difficult because I felt like I was abandoning my calling, right. my purpose. Right. right? I can see that. It, that's what it felt like to me. It was like, geez, yeah. like God gave You're this good to at me. It. How yep. how am I turning my back on this? It makes no sense. Like this right. is the one thing that I've had clarity on for most of my life. Like this makes mm-hmm. zero sense. But. I was able to approach it again, not quite as <laughs> straightforward as you've laid it out here, but in yeah. a way where I realized, okay, I, I'm married now. 
I have a wife. Yeah. There's lots of stuff in the Bible about mm-hmm. the like the sanctity of marriage, the importance of marriage, the picture that it that of your relationship with Christ. <laughs> you know, like there's so much to that, and it's like, no, wait a second. This is also my calling. This is yeah. this is my purpose. So God might have mm. called me to music. I don't think that'll ever go away. That's never yeah. That's never nope. not going to be my calling. But my mm-hmm. purpose right now in this season this it's my wife and it's my child. I get to be a husband and I get to be a father and that Yeah, that makes sense. is my purpose. Yep. And so yep. I think it's interesting how the Bible often groups those two things but still keeps them, them as together. separate thoughts, your calling and your mm-hmm. purpose. And because that for me is probably what's enabled me to keep my sanity <laughs> all this time yeah. is just by being able to say, okay, I'm called to this thing. I have a lot of talent there. I have a lot of passion for this. Mm-hmm. But in this season right now, this is not my purpose. Right. And I need to be focused on my purpose because my purpose is defined by the opportunity, also the passion, the mm-hmm. talent, We'll get to the talent. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get better at that. We'll get there. I'll, I'll become a better dad. I'll become a better husband. Yeah. But right now, yeah. <laughs> right now, there's there's opportunities at the at the highest point, hundred percent of the bar. Yeah. And absolutely. and the uh, yeah, it's like you know I have to focus on this because this is my purpose. Yeah. And that for me was a really good way of, I guess, processing. Because uh, so there's yeah. two parts of it. Obviously, there's uh, the identification part of it, which is what you've brought here. Is yeah. how how do you identify your calling? How do you identify what season of life you're in? And then there's the processing of it, <laughs> figuring out how, mm-hmm. you know, how do I now make sense of this? How do I now uh, move forward? Because I've spent X amount of time believing that this was my calling, and I think and placing my I, identity in this thing. You know, I think. I think you're making a I think you're making an important distinction. Like I was just talking to Annie about this tonight how, you know, her her and I are our own people. Came from you know, different backgrounds. We have our, you know, own unique hobbies. And it's important that we maintain those. Yeah. And that we respect and that we try to understand the other person's background. Like my sister used to come in my bedroom and actually steal my band t-shirts out of my closet (laughs) i had my own style right and she she thought it was cool well there are days where annie's like oh my gosh why are you wearing that and it's like she's right like why am i wearing that but (laughs) it doesn't feel good to be misunderstood right it feels good to be asked like all right so why did you like this band or why did you buy those band t-shirts or why do you hang on to that thing that's that's the whole point of being your own person. Yeah. Um, in a marriage, there's there's two people that become one, but it's it's really important that if you're gonna feel loved, that you feel understood, mm. because love without being understood is superficial. Yeah. It's completely superficial. If you meet someone for the first time and you say I love you, you're like no, you don't. You don't even know me. Right. How can you love me? Right, so like, if your spouse or your girlfriend or your your um, your partner or your friend or your parent or your kid or whoever it is says "I love you" and they don't know you, 
they don't really know you all that well. They don't ask questions. They don't involve themselves in your life. It doesn't really hit home. Hmm. But if they know you really well, the good, the bad, the ugly, I mean, and they say, more. I love you, yeah. it strikes a chord that nothing else can. Right? Yeah. Yep. That is so true. And so I think you're making an important distinction here, was, uh, here which is your, your purpose has a lot to do with why God's why God's put you here in this season to do this this thing, to be in this marriage, to be in this relationship, to have this job that you have. Your calling might be something that stands outside of that picture mm-hmm. and might be actually on the back burner for a little while. Mm-hmm. Might be on pause. Yeah. And, and who's and to say you don't have multiple callings as well? Because you might have I believe callings. that... You know, especially if you had the desire, the passion to be a father one day and and legit, legitimately chose to have, to be a family man over this thing that you love. I mean, you know, I'm not talking to you specifically, but sure. in my case, you know, it's like, well, yeah. maybe I was actually called to be a dad. Maybe right. I was called to be a husband too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there is that, like, uh, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you, you have one calling and... Ah, you missed it. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. it's like I, I don't want to put it <laughs> that way either. Out. You know, <laughs> sure, but sure. but to recognize it and to yeah. understand its its place in your life, I think is is huge. I, the the thing about the distinction you made that I really like is that you are your own person. Yes, you are married. Mm-hmm. Yes, you uh, you and your wife are one uh, in a Christian sense. But it's important that you maintain. Um. It's, it's important, like Tim Keller used to say, the, the point and the purpose of marriage is that you see someone else that you're married to and you say, man, I really like where you're headed in life and I want to help you get there. Yeah. Well, in order for you to even say that about someone else, you have to know what their calling is. <laughs> Otherwise, where yeah. are they going? That's right. That's right. And, and they have to know that too, actually. So. Mm-hmm. You know, Julianne knows that you love music. You're very good at it, and you've had an opportunity in the past. And I guarantee you, she thinks about that often. Yeah. Like on on days that are are good, on days that are bad, on days that are hard, she's thinking, "Man, this guy is putting his energy and his time into this marriage, into this family." When I know he has this other aspect of his life that he's very good at, that he had an opportunity in, that he laid down that he's passionate about. And, um, you know, I guarantee you she's excited about the day that you get to pick that up and and chase that and really do that yeah. thing. Yeah. She's excited to see you get there. And the same thing works, you know, in her case mm-hmm. from your perspective. So I think that's the really, you know, amazing thing is, is that God gave us each a calling and it's interwoven into our DNA, and it's it's going to show up at different times. It's going to change over the course of time. And as you're listening to this, just think, you know, just 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 write down a few things, like just just make seven different squares on a piece of paper and put talent, opportunity, and passion. And on each one of those squares, write talent high, opportunity high, passion high. That's square one. Square two, talent high, opportunity high, passion low. Square three, talent high, opportunity low, passion low, right? And and start to identify what, what areas of your life fit these categories. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It's more than likely just 
the way it works, your job is going to be talent high, opportunity high, passion low. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. Like it's 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 your job, and you you might not be all that passionate <laughs> about. It. You're good at it. You're making money, which means you have the opportunity. Um, and that's okay. So, yeah. what's your hobby then? And how does how do talent, opportunity, and passion fit that? Mm-hmm. Are you good at it? Do you have opportunities? Are you passionate about it? Most likely, your hobby will be talent high or medium, opportunity low, mm-hmm. and passion high. Yep. But if you can get those three to align, that very well could be your occupation in due time if the mm. opportunity is high. That's a good point. That's a good point. Right? That's like Adele calling you. Like, <laughs> right. your talent's high. Yeah. Opportunities there and you're yeah. passionate about it. Now the opportunity, uh, the money's not really there. And I think that's where that seasons really play into this, right? Because anything can happen at any moment. That opportunity might be nowhere to be seen and out of yeah. the blue it comes out and your life between right now and this time next year looks it's unrecognizable. I mean, it's it can happen. Um, and that's meant to be a hopeful statement, (laughs) hopefully not, you know, to your detriment, (laughs) but like, you know, it's like, hold on to hope there. Um, and, uh, and also like one thing I would encourage you guys on is, you know, you might recognize your calling. You might have, uh, put aside your calling or one of your callings to pursue a different calling or to, to pursue your purpose or to focus on your purpose don't be resentful. Like that was something that, nope. I mean, that th- you want to extinguish <laughs> your, yeah. your passion and your, you know, your hope, like, geez, like let resentment in. Like that was something yep. like I'm constantly reminded not to be resentful. Not that, not that I ever really was, but like that is Julianne's biggest fear. My wife's biggest fear mm-hmm. is I know that you chose me and our children and continue to choose us are you resentful towards us now because you have this other thing that you love and and that's that's not funny hearing that yeah that's not for me at all that's not the case i I love my family i would i would make the same choice over and over and over again but it's really important not to let resentment in because that can kill everything (laughs) that's it so just want to throw that in there too (laughs) that's that's it i mean and just hearing you say that it's like dude what if you were the drummer for taylor swift i have a podcast of the drummer for taylor swift Mm -hmm. who cares yeah exactly you're alone let's say you're let's say you you're not married you don't have kids but you're the drummer for taylor swift you've made it you you are at the very top have you okay cool that's cool (laughs) or on the other hand you know you laid it down so that you can lift up your wife and and elevate her dreams and support her and start a family together i mean i have i have i have i have so much respect for both camps yeah person working their butt off to be in the touring world and I have so much respect for the person who's laying down their own dreams to lift someone else's up one one is one is not um, superior to the other 
it's I don't see a sacrifice. Yeah. In one or the well, that's, other. That's I the, see. I see. That's the thing. I'm not laying just, down my dreams. I'm pursuing my dreams. <laughs> right. That's that's exactly the point <laughs> I'm making here. Yeah. It's like they're both yeah. pretty great. Yeah. And and I understand the sentiment of saying like, yeah, but look what you laid down. Yeah, but look what you gained. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Look mm-hmm. at what you have. And resentment's only going to come in if you have the wrong perspective on that. Right. You are so blessed. I mean, yeah. you are so fortunate. That's so it. is the drummer yeah. for Taylor Swift. Oh my gosh, yeah. man. What a gig. <laughs> right. What a gig. But there might be a day when that when that person, when that guy says, you know what, I gotta put this down. I gotta prioritize my family. Man, so much respect for that. Yeah. <laughs> Time for the next person. Step up. That's get right. to work. That's right. You know, do the job. It's all about seasons. That's right. Are you willing to lay down the thing that you have to pick something else back up, to pursue something else? To lift someone else up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you. I have to be aware of this. Like every year, I try to think about where does God have me now, and where does He want me. You know, am I willing to lay this down? Anything, the farm, that'd mm-hmm. be tough. Yeah, I think it'd be tougher than the band. Um, we're all replaceable. Like I, I, I play drums for ABR. Okay, so I decide my time's done. It's been twenty-one years. It's been a good run. Adam Gray, you ready? <laughs> yep. All right. The machine keeps rolling. It yeah, just does. Right. The farm, we sell it. You know, my brother takes over. It keeps going. The land's still there. You know, and, and that's the thing. You can't hold on to anything too tightly because you might think you have control or you might think that you have it figured out or you might think it can't run without you. It will and it can or it won't and life will continue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like prioritize the right things. Yeah. Yep. That's and exactly and right. I'm speaking from experience here. I've done a a really terrible job at this in the past. Hmm. And I've learned my lessons the hard way at times. My advice, prioritize the right things. Because nothing really matters compared to family. Nothing really matters compared to um to God. Mhm to uh, taking care of the people around you. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. That's yeah. it. You you drove the point home there. That's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> 80 that's feet it. over the fence, Tim. <laughs> we need to hear this message. That's... I mean, hey, put this put this episode on repeat and uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's try to listen to this every, what, two weeks? <laughs> yeah, it's a good reminder, that's for <laughs> sure. Just, we just do That's reruns for, sure. for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For us. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I guarantee there are people listening right now. If you're listening right now, uh, I'm sure this is what you needed to hear. Because this is relevant to all of us. You know, this is... It is. This is such a good reminder at any point in life. Because yeah, you're in a season. You can be sure of that. Don't know whether it's an up season or a down season, but regardless, the uh, the lesson still applies, mm-hmm. right? It's the same yep. same principle. So, with that yeah, said, good stuff. Thank you guys for listening. Really appreciate you all. Um, and uh, that was if, a fast episode, man. <laughs> yeah, time Dang, certainly went fast. It just. Why? <laughs> I am gonna have to crank this one out. We've got an hour. Yes, you are. Yes. <laughs> before this this, you got this it. drops. We'll do it. We'll get it done. We'll get her done. 
Uh, oh, but uh, yeah, go ahead and drop us a rating on yeah. Spotify or Apple Podcasts <laughs> or wherever you're listening. If you uh, drop us a rating, <laughs> well, how would you put it? <laughs> Not that way, but I liked it. I liked it. Drop us a rating. Sort through your power paraphernalia and leave a rating. <laughs> oh, John. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something the band Dank Punk would say. Ah, uh, Dank Punk. I love those guys. They're hotties. They were good. They used to be good. <laughs> thank you for yeah. listening. Uh, thank you to the Inner Circle for supporting this podcast. Uh, if you'd like to check out our socials, Instagram, Facebook. If you'd like to uh, follow us on Patreon, support us. That'd be awesome. Yeah. We have quite a few supporters on there, and that's the reason we're still going today. It is patreon.com slash Holy Ghost Nuts. Instagram.com slash at Holy Ghost Nuts, I think. I think there's an at sign before it. Pretty sure. And Matt and Tim at the Holy Ghost Notes. Dot com. Dot com. That's right. Thank you for listening, Tim. Always a Thank pleasure, you for man. talking Always and a listening. Yes. And until next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.